0: Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master, Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was... Nobody expects the torque Inquisition.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to what we're going to fondly call the torque Inquisition. Because every so often, Dan and Michael and I, we get tired of each other and and we need to inject new blood We're we need to expand our circle a little bit and so we want to we want to talk to more interesting people than us not oh, michael you're okay but Daniel, it's not hard
0: Dan's to find friend. more interesting people than us
1: <laughs> so so today we have the privilege of talking with john trent who is and correct me anywhere i'm wrong john because i don't know you outside of really this discussion that we've had which is kind of fun because this is totally brand new for everyone including me but you're the editor-in-chief of bounding into comics dot com correct
2: yep for the last eight years you've done it
1: i think is that what i saw 2014: uh,
2: like yeah i think around there 2015 2014 okay. yeah uh, it's, it's about right
1: and also now bounding into sports uh yep, we
2: started that in june that's crazy last
1: year that's a lot of writing man that's a lot of writing
2: yeah uh the sports one i'm i'm not writing as much i'm more of like the kind of the editor the guy who finds all the stories i still spend most of my time on the entertainment site for the most part
1: Cool. Well, so so the site, so really what we want to talk most about is bounding into comics because obviously, I mean, I'm a huge Steelers fan and I would love to talk NFL football, (laughs) but the season's over. There's nothing much interesting to do. So, but what we do want to talk (laughs) about is uh, bounding into comics, which is, you know, uh, geek culture, right? Is that maybe the best phrase to use?
2: Yeah, pop culture website. Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, But the difference is about bounding into comics, which is great. It's not from the usual Hollywood perspective, right? You're not... Uh, you're not cbr.com or deadline or any of these Mm. others, which have a certain perspective that many in maybe middle America, like me don't really hold to, or anybody who thinks a little bit deeper on things don't hold to. Um, and that, I mean, I don't know what that comes from. I think there's probably some of your faith involved with that. Maybe some of where you grew up. And so maybe what you can do to get started is kind of, kind of tell us a little bit about Bounding Comics, how you got it started, um, where it came from. And, um, and then we can jump into maybe some Tolkien talk too, and talk about, our favorite show, The Rings of Power.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. It? So I,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I started uh, bounding into comics. I think around 2015, I was working for a company called Generation Opportunity. It was a uh, if you know anything about like Republican politics, it was like a Coke Industries company. Um, I I was very young, opened my eyes to a lot of the stuff that was going on. Coke, like the uh, the,
1: the Coke brothers,
2: CEO, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I had a lot of, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of free time on my hands and basically they weren't really letting me do any work. So (laughs) I uh, started the website and I was able to, and it was basically just me reviewing comics uh, for the first time and kind of getting into comics. And um, so if you go back, but we still have a lot of these, those old reviews up on there and you can see all my old reviews of comics and that's all I was really doing for the most part. And then I started kind of reaching out to the publishers and started doing like news and stuff, and it was just mainly just publishing press releases on when new stuff was coming out. And then um, I don't know, probably around 2016, started writing opinion pieces, and I was contributing to another site called Adventures in Poor Taste, which is now called Aipt um, as well. So, um, and I was mainly just doing they were just republishing my reviews, basically okay. uh, that I'd, that I'd written. And then, um, but yeah, I was doing some more opinion pieces, kind of criticizing what I was seeing and just kind of like what was going on within the comic book industry. Uh, and then uh, my, at that time I had kind of switched jobs as well. So I was doing another, I had moved on from generation opportunity and I was basically in publishing. I was working for the company I work for now called inner markets. And around 2018, they approached me to purchase the website. And so they were going to let me run it, be in charge of it, I run it full time. And I, decided to sell and been running Mm full-time since since 2018 and that's pretty much when we really kind of started uh expanding what we were doing was really able to like kind of enact the vision i wanted for it because up until then i was i was trying to like it was really tough i was uh (laughs) working full-time job and then trying to come home after like an hour commute and then trying to do uh do without the site and it, was, it just wasn't working and I wasn't spending time enough with my wife and everything so uh, fortunately I was able to sell it and they, they purchased it and uh, had, had our best year last year and we cover a gamut of pop culture topics. Uh, i'm probably a little bit rough on the timeline there i probably need to get that down back because i think that's pretty much how a little bit how 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 it goes it might be a lot a little bit off on the timeline though
1: so why did you so so why did you start it though what was the impetus behind you wanting to start start the site
2: yeah beyond
1: just and and maybe maybe let me rephrase that a little bit beyond just the comic book reviews but you you, it's become more um i mean i hate to just use conservative because it's not right it's it's from a real life perspective it's not from the 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 fake confines of hollywood and the sheen that they put on everything you're like this is how real people see the kind of stuff that they put out and real reviews so how did you get into that sort of that that perspective on the site and and yeah so uh, was that part of the original
2: goal for it um so i didn't like have a a real goal i mean like my when i first started it was just i'm gonna review comics and that's what i'm gonna do and um eventually though like my how i viewed the site evolved Uh, I wanted to grow it. I wanted to have more to build the traffic. I wanted to kind of build a community. Uh, I saw a lot of stuff that I kind of found offensive uh, and distasteful within what was going on with the comic book industry. So I started covering it from my personal opinion point of view. At that point, I was very still kind of uh, libertarian in my mindset. Uh, I was not uh, practicing Christian um, which I am now, uh, practicing Roman Catholic, and um, uh, so that's kind of where I was uh, looking at things a lot. I was looking at it from from that perspective and, and kind of criticizing a lot of the stuff that I was seeing from from that that kind of perspective, mm-hmm. and kind of just kind of grew from there. Wow, and Is and that...
1: I I love hearing that you're now like you're, you've you've had your best year last year because yes. it shows that people want that perspective. People want to see more than just what they're being fed. From, you know, the golden lights of the West Coast.
2: Yeah, I think it also, I mean, to be quite honest, uh, I think it helps us that we're probably like the most predominant in that space. We don't really have a lot of competitors. Do you Um, have any
1: competitors? uh, You don't have to promote them here. It's okay.
2: Chris Braley (laughs) at Bleeding Bleeding Fool is a competitor. Okay. Um, As far as when it comes to print, obviously there's tons of competition on YouTube. uh, But I found that YouTube viewers are a lot different than people who read. Um, just from my personal experience, I'm more of a reader than a, than a person who's going to sit and watch a YouTube video, although that's kind of changing a little bit. I do sit and watch, um, um, like homilies and stuff now, Uh, but I'm usually not watching like, uh, stuff that I'm covering during my day, day job.
0: Yeah. Bishop Barron by
2: any chance? I watch some Bishop Barron. I really like Father uh, Chris Alar up from Divine Mercy up in, um, I think he's in Massachusetts. I really like his stuff.
0: Nice. I'm I'm enjoying Father Mike as well.
2: Yeah, we've been my wife and I we're way behind, but we're trying to do the catechism in a day. I think I think we're in like 20, thirty days behind. Yeah, catechism a year. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> we're like thirty we're like thirty days behind though.
1: Even what I is... have listened to Father Mike guys. Yeah, Father nice. Mike's great.
0: Was it uh, the ba- The Bible in a year? Podcast, oh, I don't know. Or...
1: I quit after one episode. I couldn't do
0: it. I'm um... <laughs> it has been
1: it's been a little while, but last year, yeah, I found him and, and uh, listened to a couple episodes. I don't you would have I to give, give up your
0: uh, reformed church card if you listen That's to right. it too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so well, let's into that a little bit because Tolkien was a Catholic, right? And you guys are that. But I want to talk a little bit about, um, and obviously, right, I've been um, deep into Tolkien for decades now at this point. And so I come from a different perspective. Michael, Michael's crazy because he makes his children write to him in Elvish, in Quenya when they have to they have right
0: isn't that what you said or 10, they don't have to write quenya they, they just have to use the script which is 10, 10 have to the script 10 script
1: okay so uh you on the other hand right you you do you cover th- like the rings of power right you cover from the perspective yeah. that essentially we do which is like what a disaster that was yes. it wasn't and nowhere near what tolkien wrote nowhere near what tolkien intended throwing <sighs> throwing modern day um representation and ideas into a story that's supposed to be from when Tolkien wrote it, and times before, however, so tell me how, how did you get interested in tolkien like what, what was your what's your story with uh reading and, and obviously viewing like dan Dan in our podcast he he saw the Lord of the Rings before he actually read any of it
2: so i I actually read the Hobbit. It was a signed reading for for fourth grade in my Catholic school. I read the Hobbit. I really enjoyed it I, I, I read a ton when I was a child. I don't read as much uh, as much now, except for but, all those news uh, articles. Yeah, I read of <laughs> um, but yeah, so I read I read the Hobbit at fourth grade for sun reading, really enjoyed it, tore through it. Um and then I was like, okay, I'll, let me read the Silmarillion really next, because I want to start like let's go to the, the beginning, right? So uh, thinking that, like... that it's gonna be written similar to to the Hobbit. No oh. and it's like I going from Dr. Crashed... Seuss to
1: Chesterton or something. That's, that's a... yeah,
2: I pretty much <laughs> crashed out and I never made it to the Lord <laughs> of the Rings, the actual novels. I have them here and I obviously like I look through them and cite them for my articles yeah. that i write about them and so i actually like do the research that the people at rings of power clearly didn't do or if they <laughs> did they decided to completely ignore it um he was too problematic but, but uh yeah I, I watched the movies when they came out with jackson saw them all in theaters love them um i actually appreciate them more now than i think when i saw them hmm. when they came out uh i have the extended editions on blu-ray uh fantastic films uh, i do think you're right in your criticisms for them especially with the um scouring of the shire that should definitely be included uh in peter jackson's film i think that's a huge um error that he made to not include that uh and i i almost think that uh, if he included the tom bombadil stuff that could have been fun too um because i have read i have read a number i haven't like i went to the chapters and like read it like out of not like how i'm supposed to read it like as the narrative go i just like went to it and like read that section and it's it's fun whimsical whimsicalness and uh i think that that's missing uh, a little bit from tolkien's uh, or from jackson's uh films
1: right and which i'll just say real fast which also if you do include tom bombadil in that you don't get aragorn giving mary and pippin their swords and being like here here you go here's some swords which he right. does in the films where they actually get it from being essentially imprisoned into, into this grave area that's called the Barrow Downs. And uh, yeah, so I, it would have been nice.
0: Yeah, it would have been nice. I, I actually see Jackson's wisdom in keeping Bombadil out. Bombadil, I agree with you, John, he is whimsical. It is, a, it's like, it's almost like a totally different, it's like the older form of fairy tales. Yes. Like, more like, um, young child 19th century fairy tales and and um but uh but when you're making a movie the the kind of the vibe would be all off if thing you had to switch back to i mean it's the not being chased by the nazgul and stuff like that it would Man. it would be kind of odd so maybe they could pull it off but yeah uh, it, it would have been difficult
1: there there is a rumor he's going to be in the rings of power as a character yep uh, i i it boy if they i don't know like Tom Bombadil it, it would be hard to do, but to have somebody who couldn't even do the good stuff, in, like the best part of Tolkien, and I don't, I just don't know how they would actually pull that off. It would be so sad. It's just so anyway. So let's move then into so you saw the hey. films, you enjoyed the films. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Michael.
0: Got us a lot of clicks though, didn't it, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I, I, that's the the large silver lining. Although I still wish they'd never been made; it would have been far better. Which uh, which brings us though to to where we are now, which is we've all seen the Rings of Power. I think we probably all have the same perspective on it is that like, even if you take out uh, today's sensibilities that they're trying to put into the show, it's just so badly written, right? Rocks. Look down. It is. Look up.
0: It's just poor writing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The whole point of like Galadriel, like uh, about to like go into, um, I'm blank on the name. Um, Valinor. Valinor. Where- valinor thank you I, I can never remember that <laughs> okay. um, i want to say the i was, she's going into the valor but like i'm like no those are the no, people about, yeah. um she's going she's about to go into valinor and then they make it look like th- there's some kind of evil there and then she jumps off and like rejects it and i'm just like this is yeah, make- awful and you knew and that from that point in the show i was like there's no way that they possibly can understand anything about tolkien's theme the work, anything that he wrote, and the show is like completely dead <laughs> after that. Like,
0: yeah, it, it was really. I think the most bothersome element to me was their misunderstanding of the themes of light. So, so, so for Tolkien, yes. the theme, the theme of light is so strong throughout his works, as the the thing that is high and above the darkness. I mean, you even have it on your shirt from Faramir uh, yes, Fairer, quote, fantastic quote, by the way. Yeah. My favorite character. In oh, I
1: didn't even notice that.
2: Yeah, I got hey, it from that's... Voyage Voyage Comics had a, had a had it and I had to get it. That's, that's awesome. awesome. It's
0: it's a, it's a great quote. Um, and many great quotes from Faramir but um it's just the whole idea, the whole imagery of Galadriel going towards this light and the light becomes creepy. They make it creepy. And, yeah. and yeah, like it's there's a, like you you said John like there's something wrong with it. And at that point that was just another nail in the coffin for me which was an early coffin apparently because it's only like the <laughs> yeah. second episode or yeah. maybe the first one I, I
2: think it was the first one i mean I it's,
0: it's
1: the, fun- end of the first it's funny like um, you keep thinking I don't, did you see every episode john did you go through
2: every single I watched one? all of them yeah, yeah. okay i'm
1: sorry
2: uh, <laughs> the tone <total> voice <laughs>
1: nobody drops. says i watched all of them they're so good no nobody ever nobody ever i mean i, said I watched that.
2: them so i could properly critique right. them yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. you have that's, to that's us and,
1: we kept thinking like, well, this show just, it, it can't get that much worse. And then they had the hobbits leaving their wounded on the roadside. And you're like, <laughs> what is, how did they keep, who's it, thinking it,
2: about these things? It, that's even more galling because you, like right before they leave them, they're like, we're all about I, the, I know. C- taking no care one, of our family. What's and their it's stupid like, channel? Clearly not. <laughs>
1: no one walks off trail and no one goes alone. No one goes alone. No one walks off trail or something like that. I guess if you walk off trail, then it's like you're falling off the edge of a cliff, right? There's yeah, n- <laughs> the trail well, means you're out of our
0: yeah. good graces. In our podcast, yes. we, we even had to invent a new acronym for them. We called them the dirty Perfect. little sociopaths because <laughs> I mean, they were, and it's it's just like the light, the theme with the light. It's the opposite of Tolkien's theme. You know, hobbits are, represent all this this goodness and sort of a simplicity and and humility and innocence um, and and the power that innocence has in the face of evil. And these guys are the opposite. They're, they're just, just the way they're depicted.
2: They're dirty. They're, yeah,
0: they're dirty. They yeah. abandon each other, and then they make yeah. up stories about how cute, how funny it was to abandon the other. I mean, like. <laughs>
2: As much as Jackson, like, kind of had like his issues with the Hobbit, that opening scene where you get um, Bilbo in the in his home, like that shows how much he cares about cleanliness and like being neat. And he's like, these dwarves are coming in and like ruining everything and and dirtying it up.
1: And this goes to like even, I mean, it's a little Chestertonian or anti-Chesterton to say, you know, being ancient means you are dirty, or being ancient means you are dumb, right? That this is not like that. Being ancient simply means you were you were different and not as advanced in technology, but it doesn't mean that you gave up cleanliness, you gave up uh thoughtfulness, right? And so uh, I don't do you remember what chess say that was, Michael? I know it was in when we read it in the group together, but in any case, where he talks about I don't. Um, anyway, this is yeah, Chesterton. But uh it's they and that but that goes to the writers, right? How they don't understand anything, and that makes me scared a little bit about what's coming up with the Warner brothers, because we just learned, you know, last week that they're getting, they got the rights to the movies, to the theaters everything, except TV, essentially for the Lord. And we
0: have a question for you at the end about that, but, but, but that is fascinating to me, which is, will they learn from the backlash against Amazon? Will they learn from the poor writing? Is there someone somewhere inside of Warner brothers to be like, Hmm, maybe we should go a different direction and, and go more Jacksonian on, on the, uh, on the treatment of the the remakes of the stories.
1: Well, they did say that I, they're going to bring in Peter Jackson, or they're
2: actually in communication with him. Yeah, they're in communication. They yeah. So they had anything. a. He's, they sent like Jackson's team with Fran and the other. Filippo. Uh, philippa, philippa Yeah. Boyens. I think was here. Yeah, they sent out a statement that they're like in communication. They're looking to see what their vision is going to be. Uh, my opinion is, the, as much as zasloff is like cutting cutting costs and doing good business sense the his creative choices do not inspire. I mean, he has James Gunn at the head of DC.
1: Yeah.
2: Everything he's kind of said about DC is just, I'm not interested in it. Uh, I'm not sure how many, how much DC fans are interested in it as well. Um, I mean, this is also the company that was when they launched, I mean, this was pre Zaslav, but I would assume the creatives are still there. This is the company that launched their HBO max streaming service with a pro abortion film. So I'm oh, not, I don't rent. really, um, I don't really have high hopes for any kind of uh, creative people inside Hollywood, especially if they're going to tap J.J. Uh, Abrams' acolytes, which they're still working with with him on a number of projects uh, outside of uh, in DC and I think outside of DC as well. That's my opinion. My, my, maybe they'll surprise me. The like, silence is just you,
1: such disappointment, if you, right?
2: If you stay, I mean, the source material is there. We know it's great. We know it's good. We know this stuff can be adapted properly. Jackson does prove that, but yeah. it's, and but we also know that it can be adapted absolutely horrendously. Rings of Power has proved right. that as well.
0: Which, and the one thing, I almost never say anything nice about Rings of Power, but the one thing I will say about that is there is an interesting angle on the Rings of Power series, which it doesn't excuse the just abysmal writing, pure and simple, but from a Tolkien perspective, they were in a little bit of a bind in one sense, because if they utilized... Silmarillion my understanding from a legal perspective is if they utilized they couldn't legally utilize the stuff that's just in the Silmarillion isn't it wasn't in the appendices of the right. Lord of the rings and so if you made a world and showed a world which was too much like the Silmarillion you're opening yourself up for legal action and so so I I don't I still think that they could have done it that in a way that was consistent and and when they went down the whole train wreck of of course, the woke stuff and the myth, the Mithril rewriting what Mithril and elves' no, longevities. So uh, it just it was so stupid at that point yeah. um, that that it, it's hopeless. But there well, is they told a us different... they were going
2: to do that, right? Write the novel that Tolkien never. never wrote, oh, wrote. oh my gosh! Yep. Yeah,
0: yep. yeah,
1: it's like the midi chlorian moment of the show when they introduce <laughs> <Yeah>. the Mithril <laughs> and the right. lightning and the Balrog and
2: the elf and oh. It was bad. It was... It's, it's I, the mini chlorian stuff. When you actually get Lucas to talk about it, it makes sense. Really, um, he doesn't explain it very well through the film, though, no. with uh, what Qui Gon does. Right. But he does kind of like break it down, and it does kind of make sense when he actually explains it in interview. And do
0: you say? Do you think it makes sense? In the sense, see, one of the things, the problems that I had, and I was never really—I mean, I loved the original Star Wars trilogy, but I was never a Star Wars nerd. Um, and so, when, but when I saw the episode one i thought to myself this doesn't jive with the way the force is being in i mean what we're doing is we're coming up with um, a materialist way of explaining the force versus a spiritual way which is what the force had been in the in the in the first three movies and so so for me that that was where the disconnect was
2: yeah i i get that i also with the way lucas and i think that's how a lot of people took that from episode one like i said he doesn't i don't think that episode one explains that very well when lucas talks about it in interviews he talks about the chlorines being almost like this conduit where the force uses the chlorines to like communicate so you still have that like spiritual nature hmm. he's trying to connect it to this like physical um entity within like your blood or whatever as well yeah. um, interesting it's kind so, of like... which which also kind of contradicts what he talks about with the force where you can like train in and grow stronger. Um, so it's like if it's actually like a material thing though, can you really grow stronger? Like unless you're taking <laughs> it you from someone else, which it looks I... like what they're trying to do in The Mandalorian.
1: I, I think, um, uh, you know, you, well, this is now going back all man, this is going back to 99, but uh, I, I think that. I think he just got too specific with midi If he would have left it a yeah. little bit more wide open about like n- not the, no, don't give us a count to say, Oh, he's, we see him high in midi This could mean that he's a great, and leave it a little bit more of a question rather than a definitive scientific empirical answer. But that's whatever. whatever. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Warner brothers. So, so i learned today i think i learned i saw today that there's news that that uh warner brothers based on their contract is not allowed to do anything similar to what the amazon rings of power show is doing
2: okay i haven't seen that i saw,
1: oh, I saw one, one of the uh That's couple news, of you? the different uh tolkien lord of the rings uh twitter accounts posted that as news i can't remember who um maybe i can find it however so it, but if that's true true or not right I mean, here's the thing they would be kind of dumb to do that right now because one they're setting themselves up right away to compare to that but maybe that bar is so low that yeah. maybe that's what they should
2: do <laughs> right but here's,
1: here's the thing i mean you never got through the similar end. if you do ever john like i've re- read a bunch of it though okay it, it, there's a the audio book by uh that's read by martin shaw michael has some problems with the pronunciation which is correct but it's done really well it's done really well. I really that's how I got through cuz I mm-hmm. like you I couldn't read it, I couldn't read through it either. I tried when I was in high school. Uh I am I mean, not I was trying to do
2: it as a elementary school kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. which yeah, Michael's that's...
1: kid did but he makes them write in Tengwar. So. No, no, I did not
2: force my child.
1: I, I did not force my children to read anything. I didn't say Forster, but we know that the sway that you have over your children michael and how you lord think no i'm joking, I'm joking. it
0: is it is it is the requirement if they want uh screen time so they have, they do have to re- explain to me that they're done and what they've done this afternoon in tang war in order to uh, get screen time yeah but yeah. Uh, See, but yeah i do have a daughter who's who is a total i mean she's read the silmarillion six times already and she's oh, 15 wow. years old me so Impressive. so she's a she's a, a, a complete nerd and, I
2: think uh, once you get past the first stage stuff, it reads pretty well. Um, but that was my issue; I, could, I had trouble getting past a lot of the creation um, origins. Well, stuff.
0: and it's a it's a, just a different kind of literature, right? So, The Hobbit yeah. is a is a fairy tale, and and the and the the first part, the Ainulindalë, is a um, basically it's a mythology. You're just you're just right. being given it's the creation the go- story, right? It's mm-hmm. creation, and it's the 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 gods with a small G of Middle Earth. Um, the Valar and the Maiar, and and you're telling it about the beginning of the world, and that's just a different kind of thing,
1: yeah. right? Yeah, I had and it's with fun. That. like I like, readily yeah. admit that. <laughs> yeah, no, and you're like not, I translator. mean, here's the thing: is you're not alone. A lot of people will be like, "Ooh, I'll read through the Lord the Silmarillion now." After reading Lord of the Rings, they get to and they're like, "What in the? This is this is not what I was expecting." All right, <laughs> <laughs> and that happened to right. me because my dad was like, "Here, read the Silmarillion now," and I was like, "I don't." I read through like you i probably got through like two or three chapters and I'm like i don't really care i don't know who is this and i'm not connected to any of these characters uh but but like you um once you get like you said i think once you get through that that sort of that hump of the middle yeah. like you push through to the end and even dan our co-host who had never read uh who could not be here today because california hours blame gavin Newsom, um uh it, he couldn't it was hard to get through that first half but once he got through the middle part and when he got through the stories he was like ah guys i finished reading the book sorry (laughs) so we can't so he's already read it even though we're doing the podcast it was gonna be like him reading through it first but he's like it just got too interesting all the people all the characters that i know now
2: um so the the fall of numenor story is phenomenal yeah i really like it i really enjoy it and to see what they're doing with the rings of power is uh so long. very sad.
1: Okay, and this goes to like my my issue with Rings of Power is it's too big. They
2: tried to do too much. There are yes. so many good small stories they could have done, and they just. I, goes I don't it. understand why they tried to do the whole time suppression. They should have just done the one season, uh once one like small story. Absolutely, I to totally one, agree. Move to the next one. Move to the next one. I don't know why they tried to like time compress all of this stuff and then mishmash it all together. Uh, I just think that's a that was a terrible decision, and whoever came up with it should be fine. <laughs> and
0: there was a there was a recent article. Was it from CBR? Who is it? Who is it from? Jonathan? We reviewed on on the podcast where they were arguing that the, Lord, the Rings of Power's decisions were correct about the adaptation because um, were because Tolkien's problematic all the ways Tolkien was problematic in terms in terms of uh, adapting him to the screen. And they they actually addressed the time compression there, and they said <laughs> their argument was literally it would be. It would be really difficult not to do time compression because then you would have one season a bunch of human actors and th- and with the elf actors and then the next season which might be hundreds of years later the human actors would be dead as so you just have the elf actors and new human actors and i just well, that's not looked... hard to explain though
2: you just well exactly i just looked at a little
0: article and i went so like yeah, pe- right. people under i Peter mean jackson interest- did
2: exposition at the beginning of the exactly exactly. <laughs> exactly
0: and 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 there's the reality that interestingly enough if you're shooting back back seasons elves don't age so it's actually a benefit unlike other shows where you have seasons that sometimes stretch out so long the characters visually age between movies or between yeah. seasons and in this case you would have this situation where the elves would all be looking the same which is correct and then the humans would be different or some of the humans would
1: be and, and shows don't really have a problem with that because nope. like at game of thrones they did it within their season as well and mm-hmm. and it's, granted it's the same characters but it's completely different actors actresses who better
0: call saul does a prequel you know yeah. it's just like all it's kinds dumb. of show, shows that do that
2: it's not a it's not a problem yeah, House of at all the dragon just did it they had come the, oh, yeah, exactly. up yeah, after that's like the the uh 20 year time gap. Yeah, and there
0: were a couple of, there were a couple of actors and actresses. They switched the actresses out um, for the time jump of the years because yep. mm-hmm. they were young at first, Absolutely. which is fine. Like, and, and people, not only did they get over it, but it turns out that house of the dragon was well-written. At least I thought it was better written than rings of power. Uh, yeah. And so, so it was, uh, it was a big success. Well, for them.
1: Let me, let me ask a, a kind of a bigger question then. And this goes into uh, about writing in Hollywood and dry, just writing in general. Um, and eventually we're going to get into our extended podcast where I think we're going to talk about, uh, extended podcast for our patrons, uh, $4 a month. First month is free. go to thewarnering.com slash patron da, 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 song and dance. Uh, so, but anyway, we're going to talk there about like, maybe what should the next Warner brothers movie be? Which, what should they make knowing what they have? Uh, talk about some of that. Uh, well, we know what the next one is.
0: Are you talking about the Rohir
2: Yeah, War of the Rohir is the next one. I know. What do you think of that? I know, I'm giving you a hard time. I think (laughs) that is a fantastic story. Uh, (laughs) Yes. As soon as they announced it, I literally went and read it. Oh, yeah. And and it's an awesome story. And it, it plays very well. It's like Tolkien was doing Shonen before the Japanese came up with it <laughs> before it's like introduced to America. Cause Helm That's Hammerhand is literally excellent. like a Shonen warrior. So the fact that they're doing cool. it as an anime, I think is really cool or anime inspired is I think plays really well, especially like, I can't wait to see like this haggard like dad full of grief and sorrow, just going out, blowing his hammer and selling fear yeah. in the, um, Dun- uh-huh. Dun I'm probably saying their name wrong. Um, and just going in and just like, just one, one man wrecking crew, like, destroying them in the middle of like a deep winter
1: it's going to be exactly Um, what the rings of power should have been which is a smaller story with characters we care about exactly
2: and it's and it's and it's it's not to say that it's uh you have like helm hammerhand but you can also do the stuff where you have uh what's his name the the son of the guy that he kills um going into the um the the palace at the palace of rohan taking that over and then after the snow melts, you right, have the, traitor. Like the... right
0: traitor, right? Takes arrows, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Then you have the the snow melts, and you have the the army coming down from the north. And then obviously it it should end with Saruman um, going into his tower at mm-hmm. Isengard as well. So, uh, so it's not like you just have this like small story. There's other things happening, but like hopefully it stays focused on on Helm as well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, like I think you should get this like kind of like epilogue at the end. Of like so like I don't know it's full of like battles and war and stuff so it should play really well right. if they they stick to the source material
0: right because I like what you said there John where that's the beauty of Tolkien right you can actually tell a great story with just of uh, just a small piece of what he wrote and then make sure you have those connective t- connective tissue that goes out to the stuff that we we know about people appreciate like Saruman occupying Orthanc at the end of that that. Yeah. Uh, that story. And, and, you know, and the fact that Helm my I just read to my youngest sons, um, the battle of Helm's deep. And, and so they, they got the two or three line version of Tolkien, you know, writing about Helm Hammerhand from the mouth of the Rohirrim. And it's so, it was so awesome to me because I was, I've just reminded over and over again, the more I read the books, how this is where the, the, the Tolkien's great attraction for everyone comes from. I mean, he, He's attractive, obviously, to people like us, but there, are, I mean, he was plenty attractive to people that aren't, um, that have no connection with him, with him as a man of faith, with him as a, he. they just, his world draws everyone in because it has this tremendously rich history, which you only get tiny hints of in The Lord of the Rings. You don't even get... I mean, you know, you don't get the story of Baron and Luthien except as a few verses sung by Aragorn to the Hobbits on the road. You don't you don't you you get so little, but that little bit tells every the reader this this is a real place in, in the in a mythical sense. So
1: But C B R has told us that random characters show up for a short amount of time in the Lord of the Rings, Michael, and it's a problem. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, this is from the article that we talked about a couple <laughs> who weeks do ago. They,
2: who are they who are they taking issue with? They're taking issue up. with that
1: small characters show up and people don't like it when small characters show up and don't do anything like Glorfindel or like Arwen was small in Lord of the Rings like. They're saying essentially like all these mm. tidbits of old historical characters don't they, nobody likes that in modern audiences. So, um, it's 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 an odd I, take that I has think that no place the
2: fact that it helps us suspend our disbelief, make a, makes us actually live in that world. Because that happens in our world too, right? You, it's not like all the big players doing everything. If you, you you said you you do medieval history, (laughs) um. So how many how many people know all of the character players in like the Crusades or anything like that? And you have like you do have small players that did play key roles, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then Mm -hmm. they went off and and didn't do anything else after that. So that's right,
0: right? Yeah, there there are plenty of those, Mm -hmm. and that's what happens in the real in real history. That's what's so interesting the criticism that Jonathan just referenced is the criticism of a, a, a person who lives, soaked in an entertainment culture like ours, where everything is TikTok, the video in front of your face, and we're supposed to care. But in the, in I mean, this is actually why George R.R. R. Martin, one of the reasons he was so successful with Game of Thrones in the first place was because he was mimicking late medieval storytelling, um, The War mm-hmm. of the Roses, and he, was, he had so many characters that would come in and out, and some of them were just, bit, I mean, this, that's what, what's hilarious to me is when I get a criticism, I hear a criticism like that, I'm thinking, but that's exactly what these even non-Tolkien authors do that brings tremendous success is if you bring in, you fill out the world with, with a, tr- a tremendous number of characters. As long as you can make them believable mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, they, and the story isn't crap, then, then uh, it, it can work real well. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. I saw that even in Ender's Game. I don't know if you guys have ever read that. That was the... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Source and
0: Scott Card's best one of the... Yeah,
1: of and the he bunch. wrote a bunch out of them because he had all these great tertiary characters that he thought, well, you know what? I, I know a little bit about them. Let's expand their story. And they become they get their own book and you learn more about them. But they were only interesting because they were small characters with interesting storylines to begin with. The,
2: the Book of the Fallen of the Malazan Empire series is is almost like set up that way. Hmm. Uh, almost all of the books are can be uh, standalone and they introduce new and different characters they all have different almost different protagonists but there is like con- that connective tissue with the world and everything like that and probably one of my favorite uh, high fantasy series nice that'd be- yeah that'd be
1: great well i so we really got off on a tangent, but my question like <laughs> 10 minutes ago, geez, guys, this always happens in our podcast. It was, was this. So um, I, I don't know if you guys, I, I watched the first two episodes of Picard that came out. Okay. Um, the first two scenes of, of, of Picard were Same utter, absolute trash. They were the worst Star Trek ever. Uh, sort of I've heard. I, I mean, Discovery. I watched the first one when it was on YouTube for free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's me too. It's a good thing you didn't spend any money on it. Let me just say. <laughs> um but so so they're, they're 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 poorly told um nobody cares about the characters picard is a shell of himself uh literally literally because he became an android essentially <laughs> um but in season three i i don't i don't know what changed like i, I would love to know
2: they got what, a new showrunner uh, I know they, they got that. a new
1: showrunner but i want to know how, how that happened right because what it does is like the first two episodes were amazing they were so good they were so well done the the
0: Wait, Characters are you sense. the first two episodes the of season three? The first two episodes Episode of season three.
1: Yeah. Really? They are okay. very well done. And yeah. I mean, you can go to, to, to the biggest critics right now, like if I, uh, you know, a critical drinker and those guys who are like it's clearly fine. they make their mm. money on, uh, they make, I hate to say it, but right, they make their money calling out the crap in Hollywood. Um, and, you, and nobody was expecting this. So how did that happen? And because here, let me, let me set it up a little bit differently, because now I think you, you have so many bad writers in Hollywood. Nobody knows how to write well anymore. And I was talking with my brother about this the other day, uh, about how when we went back to episodic TV, writers were forced to write short stories. They had to have a beginning, middle, and end in 45 minutes, right? And you had to set up character. Every word was important. Every phrase was important. Every interaction had to mean something. And now you have writers that have 8, 10, 14 episodes to create a story that... Is one story, which probably could have been told in a two-episode arc, and you know, pacing is like super drawn out. It's so boring because they don't know how to
2: write well anymore,
1: and so that's my concern moving forward. With I think it's a twofold
2: issue too, because I think a lot of times, I mean, James Gunn even said this. For as much as I criticize James Gunn, he made this comment when he was he announced his chapter one um plan for the DCU he basically says that their studios out there they don't even have their scripts finished when they're going into production so they're just doing it on the fly Jeez. and trying to put it together while they're shooting yeah
0: so how, how does that happen how I, happened I with just, the hub? i don't understand what kind the, of business is you this? know what it is it's because the, biz- they, the,
2: the the well go ahead john go ahead yeah so you might be thinking the same here but i think it has a lot to do with like uh, they got a studio deadline investors want it out at a certain point and the studios have made a promise they need to get, their, get that money back and um, whether or not it's actually up to the quality that they expected, be damned. And, right. and they well, just got to go out and do it.
1: And so uh, a specific example of that that we were all familiar with because of The Hobbit that Peter Jackson made, Guillermo right. del Toro was originally slated to direct The Hobbit and he spent a year, two years in pre-production on it. He decided not to do it anymore because it was going to take too much of his time. I think something like that. And he wanted to do other things that were his own rather than Tolkien stories. So they brought Peter back, Jackson back. Jackson said, I'm going to need another year for pre-production. And they said, you don't have it. So they had to start filming before the script was finished, before all the pre-production was finished. He, there, I mean, there's some video. Uh, if I can find it, I'll splice it right here. Uh, of Peter Jackson th- looking th- uh, like alone on a set, kind of like looking down with like a paper in his hand, trying to figure out what they were gonna do next, because he just didn't know, like they were still trying to figure it all out. Uh, and so there, that's why there's so much extra stuff. They had. To, they decided to add some other storylines that didn't really work because it wasn't set up originally in any reasonable fashion that the studios would let them do it. He wanted a whole other year of pre-production and they said, nope, sorry, you can't do it. Well, that actually
2: explains a lot. <laughs> yeah Disney Star Wars is probably another example I mean Ryan Johnson said they didn't have a script um, for his film and he just got to do what he wanted to do Ugh. after what Abrams Good Lord with. Abrams d- a- a-
1: a- a- Abrams never has any idea where anything is going to end because all that matters is his no. mystery right the mystery box yeah. all that matters is like we don't know what it is yeah. and neither does he
2: just well and you saw that in the third one where it's like the dagger right you gotta go uh, so
1: like <laughs> the the, that was like uh what's the word like everything's a mcguffin in that movie it's yeah like the right. dagger the dagger has to go to the thing and then we got to get the thing at the place with the thing and like in c-3po oh he can he's not allowed to speak into in uh the dark side language I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> <sighs> anyway and so me being a star wars fan i waited in line 240 hours to see the phantom menace in 1999 on the streets of hollywood boulevard like oh, at, wow. at Grauman's Chinese theater. So Let's
0: see that over,
1: that's the course, dedication. over the course of a month. And uh, that's one of the ways I got the, the dot com started actually was being there and meeting some folks and like, but yeah, so like, I, I, and I love stars. And then
2: I saw a Phantom menace and I was like,
1: Oh, I feel like I have to love this movie now <laughs> more than I actually did.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, the, I mean, there's some good things from the phantom menace. I like the pod racing. Cause I like racing. So I like, the, uh, yeah. I love the pod racing stuff and that was fun. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, some of the, some of the other stuff was a little, uh, George like Lucas the whole, just needed somebody there to say,
1: eh, "It's not George. Let's try it this way instead." Yeah, and I think it would have been a yeah. better film. Yeah, I there's agree. a lot there, w- way more than I mean. I thought the prequels were bad, and like, or the prequels needed help until I saw the sequels, <laughs> which complete disaster, utter yeah. complete. I right. actually
2: think uh, I think Lucas was like heavily inspired by Tolkien, especially in like Return of the Jedi. You have like the Aragorn Boromir confession scene with Luke and Vader. Uh, I definitely huh. think he had he has like there's a lot of uh, con- connect connection between uh, Lucas and Tolkien hmm. um, when it comes to that storytelling. Maybe that's they're both tapping into the same kind of like that universal um, storytelling aspect that I think you were kind of talking about a little bit earlier, Michael. Um, that that's why everyone is so attracted to Tolkien because he does kind of he has this it's this universal story that he's telling. Yeah. yeah
0: he knows how epic stories are 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 made mm-hmm. i mean that was his day job as well as a professor at oxford uh For in, sure. in anglo saxon literature so he, he and he was working on this his whole life but and it is fascinating to me that well it taps into a second a secondary uh topic which is we we're running into this a lot in our culture right now, which is it's hard for people to understand how difficult civilization is to build. So when you have good the art of good writing, I recent I just asked a few minutes ago, like, how could this happen where you don't have a finished script? And then you, and you guys did a good job answering, but then I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe this is also part of the general corruption that's happening um, because it actually takes a lot of, when you read a a guy like Tolkien or a generation before him, you read a guy like Chesterton, it takes, there's so much that they're building on in terms of literary understanding, in terms of the language itself, that when you start tearing down, which is what postmodernism specializes in is tearing everything down. Once you start tearing down and you've done that for a few decades, maybe you're left with a bunch of writer's rooms where people can't write anymore because and so so when they have a deadline for a script you know they totally. don't it's the, the the quality's crap and then you have to go to production with with subpar stuff and you know maybe this is a this is all part of the uh, the um the zeitgeist of the age i don't know
1: yeah yeah it's taken a long time for literature um, i mean I, uh, not a long time in the grand scheme of things but over the last 40 years literature studies in school has been decimated into absolute meaninglessness where message where That's modern right. day messages are more important than uh than the quality of writing over the last two centuries, two, two millennia. So um, yeah. yeah, it's been completely destroyed. One last so, question before, oh, go ahead, Michael. I'm gonna I was just
0: going to ask John to speak a little bit about uh, if he has any further branches because you know, you, you're, you branch into sports recently. And so you got pop culture and you got sports and was there any, was, is there anything else on the horizon?
2: Uh, we I have a YouTube channel that I'm trying to do. I do a show uh, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays uh, at 2 p.m. called Bounding Beyond. Just kind of talking about pop culture stuff. That's the Bounty into Comics YouTube channel, and then we have our Black Pill stream where we black pill you on how terrible entertainment is um, today. Um, from at 9 p.m. on Wednesdays.
0: How do you jive? <laughs> how do you jive the black pill of the entertainment culture with what's probably a white pill of your faith? Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. So
1: I don't because actually think it's me that. Say, like you're okay. comp- You you have no qualms about putting your faith into your articles, and I love that because it's real. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: so, I, yeah. Talk about that. I, yeah. So I started doing that. Um, when I was like reverted, I had a reversion a couple of years ago after my grandfather passed away, went to his uh, funeral mass. And I don't really remember what the priest said during the homily, but whatever it was, the Holy spirit touched me mm. and um, started uh, going back to a Catholic church. I had already been going, I'd been going to some Protestant churches with my wife, but uh went back, I started going back to a Catholic mass after that. And um and we obviously had to get married in the church and everything and confession and um all all those steps, and this is all during covid too <laughs> um oh, perfect so, wow. timing! Perfect yeah timing. <laughs> and we were, we were expecting our first daughter at the time too, oh so doing all this stuff uh at the same time but um uh, kind got off kind of got off track there what i what I was saying, but um how your faith influences oh, like yeah, the articles yes. and, and the black yeah, stream so, you have so, So I started – I mean, we used to do stuff where it was like uh, pin-up stuff, and I I don't do that anymore um, because I just felt like the Holy Spirit in my conscience was saying, like, hey, I don't want to be responsible for people lusting over uh, images, even if they're kind of just like art and stuff, Um, especially if it's like exaggerated stuff and it's not just trying to highlight the beauty of the art that they're making. So we really rolled back on that stuff. And then uh, more recently, I've actually just kind of been – I, I like I cite the Catechism all the time. I cite uh, I cite uh, Pope John Paul II now. Uh, I cite uh, priests um, because I actually see I don't see the culture war anymore. It's like kind of this right left dynamic or woke anti woke. It's a supernatural battle, and uh, and we have to be able to have a voice out there fighting with it. And I don't think that there's anyone really even doing this at all, even on any kind of like political sites for the most part. Of course, there's the Christian outlets, but I don't see like, you don't see mainstream political sites doing even having these kind of foundational principles yeah. where you can actually argue against a lot of the yeah. stuff that's coming out of Hollywood that they're clearly pushing as an agenda. I mean, you have this guy here. Um, I think his name's Peter Hoare. He literally is admitting to tricking people in order to try and get them, yeah. getting them to watch uh, homosexual propaganda. And there's, um, ext- there's been arguments that uh, the church has made great man much greater than myself uh clearly laying out how a lot of this stuff is illogical it's against the natural law and why uh, it should be opposed but at the same time um we do recognize people uh we recognize this uh that all humans are made in the image of christ and so we want to try and um, bring them back to to the faith that they that they should be um yeah. So try and I do try and put that in, but at the same time, I think at this point in our culture we there's like people don't even recognize that sin exists, and so I'm of the opinion that um i'm not I'm not might not be the best messenger to work with you on being as compassionate as me when I should be, but it's more <laughs> about the uh, hey, sin is wrong, yeah, you should stop doing that, and maybe someone else might be able to be the person who's like right, be, be a little right. bit more like Here, this is how you be a little bit work on that. I guess I'm struggling for the word for that. God
1: uses everyone, man. It doesn't matter, right? We are we are just called to speak truth, speak love, and sometimes it feels like they're at odds,
2: but most of the time they're not. And yeah, uh, we're all fathers here. Yeah, Yeah. we're all fathers here, and I just had to like discipline my daughter for almost like the first time, like kind of physically, and uh, Uh, I hated doing it, and it sucked, but it was like. She had, she was, he had to kind of do that. And I, uh, that's, some, that's something that you have to do. I right. tough love does exist. And, Absolutely. um, well, if you really love them to see, that's the thing. Our culture,
0: what our culture tells us is that love is a feeling, right? And it doesn't have any argument for that. It just tells us that and it sings lots of songs about it. But, but that's, that's, but in truth, I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather, um, pull from, uh, I'd rather pull from sacred. Tradition and people like Aquinas and say, well, look, actually, love is an act. It's willing the good for another person. Yes, so if you really love definition. someone, you will want you will act towards their good, whether they feel, it makes them feel good or not. And as a parent, you have yeah. to correct kids. You have to discipline. Right. I mean, right. Scripture is very clear about that, about yes. um, that that the Lord and parents discipline because they love. So, and that doesn't feel good. And when the, I, I, I can't stand disciplining, but, but I have had to do it. Um, and because I have so many children, it happens with some frequency, but uh,
1: particularly the older ones, the younger ones were like, oh, Dad. <laughs>
0: well, they, and, and they, they know that I love them. And that's the, that's the struggle. The struggle Absolutely. is you have to make yeah. sure that, that you're seasoning discipline with, with overt signs of love and of um, come of, compassionate love i should say right um, and so so there, yeah that's that's a real thing um i just i i had to chuckle i have to admit i'm glad jonathan pulled up that article because i i had seen a couple of different articles about the the um, last of us director admitting that he was just wanting wanted people to watch a gay romance um with the the, the episode whatever three three yeah. Yeah. yeah um but I had never seen one that managed to shoehorn in the definition of the comp- complementarity of the sexes, according to uh, Catholic social teaching. And so that was fantastic. I laughed when I saw that. I was yeah.
2: Impressed. Yeah. I uh, I actually, I don't know. This was last year. Catholic Answers actually act- asked me to uh, do some stuff for them, but I just haven't been able to because um, I just I don't have the time. But. Yeah. Well, it, it's
1: a bandwidth. Because they like right? my
2: Tolkien coverage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me too. <laughs>
2: That's why we're talking.
1: Uh, all right. Well, hey, so this has gone on long enough. So, But only for you guys who aren't paying for anything and who don't want to support people like me and Michael and John. Which, so, you, should. which you should, one by watching. Thank you, listening. Appreciate that. But we also, for, for instance, we here at uh, thewondering.com, uh at the torque inquisition as we i think we're going to call this uh we do have uh patrons you can go to the one slash patron and subscribe there it's four dollars a month you get access to our discord get access to our extended podcast which is probably the most popular part and we do uh monthly uh chats together usually in discord video until that gets too unwieldy and there are too many people and then everyone's talking to each other and we'll figure it out then however that's one thing we have but i want to give john the chance too. other than bounding into comics right, .com, go there I still use RSS feed, so I see every article that you write, which is awesome. But
2: um, what's the best way to follow you? How can people reach you? Yeah, so we're on Twitter at Bounding Comics, where you have our newsletter sign up on the website. It's in the right column uh, if you want to sign up for that. We usually send it out uh, daily, I think. I don't know. We might have toned uh, toned it back a little bit. I don't really handle the newsletter stuff. Um, We also have – we're on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're pretty much on every social media site. We're on Facebook. We're on yeah we're on parlor we're on truth we're on i don't even know we're on them all for the most part <laughs> mines we're on mines uh bounty in the comments, to search us, you can find us um uh, we usually post all of our stuff on all the on, the on all the social sites we're on telegram uh we've got a discord channel too uh which i think you should be able to if, I, I mean just message me on twitter and i can send it to you um i'm not as active as i'm pretty I'm i'm most active on twitter uh is what i'm looking at for the yeah most, you were like don't even email me just
1: contact me on twitter man
2: yeah yeah. just send it to me on twitter because i get so many emails um i miss a lot so i know the um, because my emails like combined my personal like bounty and comics email is combined with like our press email so i get all like these press lists from like everyone trying to get me to cover their film or tv show or whatever of course
1: of course yeah and so this is your twitter right here yeah 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 cool well thanks john we appreciate it and um and i hope all the rest of you join us as we will, one, look at maybe a little bit more Warner Brothers stuff, see what we think, what's coming up. And we're going to do our inaugural edition of Confessions from the Comfy Chair, because <laughs> an Inquisition needs a comfy chair. If you don't know, look up Inquisition and Comfy Chair, and you will see what we mean. So we'll see you next. Are you going to? Do we need a green screen so you can shop a comfy chair. <laughs> a comfy chair
2: I don't know. Do you have a, do you
1: have a gaming chair? Is that comfy enough, or is it just like some uh, it's chairs, just like an office chair?
2: Before we like went remote, it's comfy. I like Honestly,
1: it. I don't even have a chair. It's I'm actually I... at a standing desk right now. So yeah, I could tell.
0: <laughs> Jonathan's, Jonathan's the most much. fit among us. Oh no, I
1: don't I don't I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Anyway, everybody, join us in the extended podcast. Uh, you can get it here and uh, follow follow John. Follow Bounding Into Comics. And uh, we'll see you you next time when we inquire on other people.
0: Bye, freeloaders.
1: (laughs) Again, you're
0: so mean, Michael.